You're listening to a message from Grace Church of North Brunswick, where people are empowered, impacted, and enriched through the good news of the gospel. To learn more about Grace Church, visit our website at gracechurchnv.com. And now we hope that you enjoy this message. It's divine favor upon man at Jesus' expense. And one of the words, we did a video a couple weeks ago, and and uh, my son went around and, and he asked people, what is the first word that pops into your mind when you hear grace? And some of the people, the first thing they said was favor. And favor is what grace is. It's the same thing. It's favor. Like when you say to somebody, could you do me a favor? Like, could you make dinner for me tonight? Just do me a favor. Could I? <laughs> She said, can I take her out to dinner tonight? Is that a favor that I'm going to do for you? <laughs> we are living in the dispensation or the time of God's favor. Did you know that? We live in the time where Jesus died on the cross. He paid the price. So divine favor could be bestowed upon who? Us. I just broke 10,000. How many of you know what that is? A Fitbit? You know what happens when you break 10,000? Like, it's all these, it's like fireworks, you know, no noise, but it, it buzzes and like little fireworks pop out on your Fitbit. It makes you feel so good. <laughs> We're living, and you know, you're born now, it, you know, it wasn't your choice when to be born. It wasn't even your choice in what family to be born into. Amen. It's like we love our family no matter how bad they are because, hey, that's what we were born into. Amen? Sometimes we wish maybe we were born into a different family. Put that hand down. <laughs> See, you can't choose what family you're born into. But you know what? We really, we're all family. A lot, of, a lot more people are doing those DNA tests. You know those DNA tests? I did one and. What you'll find is everybody's got 1% of something that somebody else has. Because we're all traced back to Adam. But the time that we're born is different. Every one of us here, all of us are born in the dispensation of grace. Hallelujah! Hallelujah. You could have been born 2,000 years before Jesus. And when you sinned, they chopped your head off. You know, read the Old Testament about some of the, some of the judgment on people. You know, if you, if you got a little poison ivy, they threw you out of the city. Can't come back till you get some calamine lotion and it goes away. I mean, it was harsh back then. We're living, as Austin Powers would say, in a really groovy time. You all watched it too. You know, but it wasn't your choice, but we should praise the Lord that we're born after Jesus. Because we have the option to put our faith and trust in him. We are living, I don't care what the news tells you, we're living in a time of grace and favor like no one ever before. We're living in a great time. And unlike most Christians, I don't want Jesus to come back yet. I want to get as many people saved as I can as long as I can open this big mouth. Because that young guy who in the first service, if we're gone, who's going to tell him? It's going to be rough. It's going to be rough in the time of tribulation. 
We're living in the grace dispensation after Jesus came. And we are saved by grace through faith. See, grace already came. Jesus already died on the cross. And through our faith in what he did, we are saved. And that word saved means healed, delivered, cured, so many things. And we, we see a shadow of this in the Old Testament. And that's what I'm going to talk about today. And God's going to really speak to you through this. Um, you know, but understand this. You know, how many of you know that right now in Christianity, in Christendom, there's a big move towards grace? And there was a big move towards faith, and there was one towards works. But here's, here's the issue. We always take it a little too far. Amen? Like we're just, we're people, you know? If you tell your kid, you know, you, you got to be home by 11, when do they come home? 11, 10. No, they come home at 11 for a couple days. And then they come in at 11.05, and you're like, what time is it? Okay, it's 11.05. Next thing you know, it's midnight. Where are you? Because it is the nature of human beings. And grace, in some cases, has been taken a little too far. And Paul said, don't slide down the greasy grace road to the point where people think sin is okay. He said, does it mean that we can continue in sin? No, of course not. And if you listen to the message over the last few weeks, you heard about the woman that was caught in adultery. Jesus said, you're forgiven, but sin no more. The man who was crippled in the pool of Bethesda or the house of grace, you're healed, but what? Sin no more. See, grace enables us not to sin. The fact that God loves us, has a great plan for our life, we don't have to choose to sin. You know how I got, how the addiction of cocaine was broken off my life? When I heard God say to me, I love you, you don't have to do it. And so I stopped. Because God said, I love you, you don't have to. I've empowered you not to do it. And I was like, oh, I guess I don't have to do it. And I never did it again. But some teachers have gone so far as to say, don't preach from the Old Testament anymore. Yeah. Prominent preachers have said, do not preach from the Old Testament anymore. Well, my Bible says this. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful. And if this is what God breathed, I'm breathing it in. If God breathed this out, I'm breathing this in. All of it. All of it. And so now I want to show you from the Old Testament how we are living in the dispensation of grace. And from a shadow or a type in the Old Testament. Now we'll start first in the fact that who wrote most of the New Testament? Who did? Paul. Paul wrote most of the New Testament. And Paul is called by many, and by me, the apostle of grace. Why? Because he taught grace. He brought the gospel to the Gentiles, to the people that everybody was like, there's no way those heathen deserve to be saved. There's no way those no good drug dealing bums need to be saved. How many of you need to be saved? <laughs> I needed to be saved. I needed to hear the gospel. In Ephesians 3.1, he says, I, Paul, am a prisoner of Christ. 
for the Gentiles. And if you've heard of the dispensation or the government or the time of grace of God, it was given to him to give to us. He was after Jesus. The message, the big movement after Jesus died was grace. First the Holy Spirit came on them, and Paul went out and he preached grace to everyone. So is grace a good message? Amen. Then it says in Acts 20, verse 24, the ministry which Paul received from Jesus was to testify to the what? The gospel of grace. What does the word gospel mean? Good news. Paul's job and your job is to preach and testify. You got to testify to the good news of God's favor upon men right now. Amen? Your job is to go to your job, to go to your friends, to go to the restaurant, to go wherever you are and tell people. You don't have to tell people what they're doing wrong. They already know what they're doing wrong. You don't have to point out what they're doing wrong. You have to tell them that God loves you. You can sin no more. You can receive favor right now. Jesus died for you. You can have eternity. And then they can begin to not smoke anymore and not do all these things that harm them anymore. Amen? That's our job. And look at this, and I'm going to show you how Paul, who is from the tribe of Benjamin, and Benjamin is a type of grace that we're going to look at today. If we look at Romans chapter 11 and verse 1, nobody else in the New Testament has talked about what tribe they came from, except for Jesus from the tribe of Judah. I say then, as God has cast his people, I, Paul, am an Israelite, the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. Whenever, when I first studied the, the link between Benjamin and Paul and Saul and all this stuff, the first thing I noticed is, what, is that Paul the apostle is from the tribe of Benjamin. Now, can I tell you something? This book is perfect. There are no words or numbers that are put in here by accident. God and the Holy Spirit do not write fluff, okay? <laughs> They're not like us when we write a book, you know, or how many of you are writing a book, you know? We put a lot of fluff in there, you know? Every jot and every tittle, every line and every precept and every word in here is perfect and has meaning. And in Philippians 3, 4, or 5, it says this. Talking about Paul of the tribe of Benjamin. So we see Paul is from the tribe of Benjamin. And what was Paul's name before he was Paul? Remember Saul was persecuting Christians? Then he met grace in the form of Jesus. Then he got saved and he was named Paul. Guess who else was from the tribe of Benjamin? Saul of the Old Testament. King Saul was from the tribe of Benjamin. But his name didn't change. And his ways didn't change. And he died under his own sword. And if you don't receive the grace of God, you'll die under your own sword. But Saul was from the tribe of Benjamin, and so was Saul who was turned to Paul. And Psalm 68, 27, many people say that this points to the apostle Paul, starting with, there is little Benjamin. How many of you are short in stature? You're short. 
I can't see your hand. How many of you are short? Oh, sorry. Okay. I mean, what really decides if someone's short? You know what I mean? There's many short, short people have no reason to. There was a song years ago. Short people have no reason to live. And I say, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. Because if you're short, you're in good company. Because the Apostle Paul was short. And Napoleon, but I'm not going to go into that. Um, but um, the Apostle Paul was short. There's little Benjamin, their leader. And do you realize that the real leader of the gospel of grace was Paul. He was the one that pierced through to the Gentiles. He's the one that stepped out. He really led the revival. So little Benjamin, the leader, the princes of Judah and their company, the princes of Zebulun and Naphtali. Really interesting. The other apostles came from Judah, Zebulun, and Naphtali, if you look in Matthew chapter 4. But I'm not going into that all today. I just wanted to point out to you that there's a link between Paul and Benjamin, and Paul's the apostle of grace, and Benjamin represents grace in the Old Testament, and I'll show you where right now. Who was Benjamin's older brother? Everybody say it. Everybody say it. Joseph! How many of you here are named Joseph besides me? All right. Bunch of people, yeah. Wait a minute, your name's John. Okay, middle name? Joseph? Nobody calls you Joey, right? Nobody's allowed to call me Joey in this church. I'm not little Joey. I ain't Pastor Joey. I'm not Joey, okay? We had a guy in the first service. His name is Joe Varga. They call him Joey. His wife calls him Joey. If you ever call me Joey. Doesn't it? He's little Joey now. No, he's not little Joey anymore. He wants to be Joe from now on. I mean, did you ever hear anybody, Pastor Joey? Sounds so belittling. But Joseph, does anybody call you Joey? Here and there, he's smacking. You call me Joey, what'd you say? But Joseph is an awesome, awesome name to have. And we know that Joseph was the older brother of who? Benjamin. There was 12 boys. Anybody here have 12 boys? God, that's a rough house. No wonder you had three or four wives to handle all the boys. How many of you had, like, you had a bunch of boys, you know, or you were a family of a bunch of boys? Tough place, huh? Got to get that food quick. But Joseph is the greatest type or shadow of Jesus in the Old Testament. He is the greatest type or shadow of Jesus in the Old Testament. And a type or shadow is a historical fact that illustrates a spiritual truth. It's a historical fact that illustrates a spiritual truth. I'm going to show you the, the similarities between Joseph and Jesus, and believe me, there's dozens more that I'm going to tell you right now. But number one is, they're both loved by their father. You know that Jacob loved Joseph, remember? Made him a special coat and nobody else. Amen? It's kind of like in our house. We know Alicia loves little Joey. He gets the big piece of steak. I get the little tiny piece. What's up with that? Both loved by their fathers. Both were 30 years old during their ministry, which brings me to my favorite joke. I only have one joke. How many of you are joke tellers? Because I really admire you. I only got one. 
And that's this. How do we know Jesus was Jewish? Number one, he worked in the family business. He was a carpenter like his dad. Number two, he stayed home until he was 30. That's when he went off into ministry. And number three, his mother thought he was God. Because Jewish mothers always think their kid is God. But Jesus and Joseph were both 30 years when they started their ministry. Both had jealous brothers. Joseph's brothers were jealous of him. And remember this, and the scribes and the Pharisees, they got jealous of Jesus, and they were his brothers. And they were both rejected by their brothers. Joseph was rejected, sold into slavery. Jesus was rejected by the Jews. Both were thrown into a pit, and both were sold for silver coins. Both were tempted and did not sin. Now, Joseph sinned, but when Potiphar's wife tempted him, he did not sin. Both were falsely accused. Both were sentenced with two other criminals. Joseph had the butler and the baker. Jesus had the thieves on the cross. And in both instances, one was pardoned. Remember, Joseph interpreted their dreams, and the butler was restored back to the king. With Jesus, one of the thieves repented. The similarities are absolutely amazing. In the end, for each one of them, though, every knee bowed to them. Do you know that every knee will bow to Jesus Christ? Even though Joseph got thrown in the pit, thrown into prison, falsely accused, all that, in the end, he is seated at the right hand of Pharaoh, and he, everywhere he goes, people bow down to him. And Jesus, though he was nailed to the cross, is at the right hand of the Father. Jesus at the right hand of the Father, Joseph at the right hand of Pharaoh. Are you seeing the recognition here? Both of them, their brothers did not recognize them. Now remember, after Joseph was away for a long time, there was a famine in Israel, so all the brothers came to Egypt, and Joseph was the guy in charge of all the food, and they were right in front of him. And they didn't know it was him. The Jews waiting for a Messiah for thousands of years, Jesus the Messiah right in front of them, and they didn't see him, and they didn't know who he was. And even now, this is really cool. When, Joseph, when they came, the brothers came to see Joseph. Joseph had been living in Egypt for a long time. How was Joseph dressed? Like an Egyptian. Mm -hmm. He was dressed like an Egyptian. He had Egyptian makeup on, because wore, men wore makeup back then. He had Egyptian clothing on, so they didn't recognize him because he was dressed like a Gentile. Jews right now, the biggest turnoff for a Jew, and I'm half Jewish and I understand it, is this. Jesus has been made into a Gentile. People think he's Irish or Italian. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But they put blue eyes in him and they dress him up like he's another white guy. <laughs> Thank you. He dressed up like a Gentile so people don't recognize, the Jews, his own brothers, don't recognize him because he's painted up like a Gentile. And both of them, Joseph and Jesus, called their brothers for deliverance. Joseph's heart softened. He said, bring all the brothers here. 
to deliver them, to bless them. In the same way, Jesus is calling all of Israel and all of us to be saved. So I think I've established it, that Joseph is a type of Jesus. Amen? Amen. So, let's look at Genesis chapter 43. When Joseph's brothers were living in famine, they had to come to Egypt for favor. And here's what happened. As they're walking up, Joseph lifted up his eyes, and he saw Benjamin. Even though there was 11 of them, he saw Benjamin. How many of you remember last week we talked about the man at the pool of Bethesda and the house of grace, and Jesus came, and there was lame people all laying everywhere, but Jesus saw one man. In the same way, Jesus saw Benjamin. He saw his little brother. How many of you have a little brother? How many of you want to beat up your little brother? No, how many of you love your little brother? Special to you, right? You know, in little brother or sister, really, the youngest in the family, everybody looks out for them, right? That's why they're spoiled, all right? <laughs> how many of you are the youngest, so I know? Oh, I got to watch out for all of you. Dangerous crowd. But he saw his brother, Benjamin, his mother's son, because they were both born to the same mom, Rachel. And Joseph missed his little brother. He was special to him because he was the next in line. You know? My son Joey is always looking after the one next in line, little Nikki. Like if she brings some guy, a little boy around that likes her or something, I say, Joey, go take care. And when this little boy came around a couple weeks ago, I said, Joey, take care. So Joey ran over, grabbed him to throw him in the pool with all his clothes on. And the little boy fought. And I saw the fight. And I ran over to grab the little boy's legs and help my son throw that boy in the pool. Because who are you to mess with my little one? So Joseph saw his little brother. <laughs> I take care of all kinds of things when I preach. His mother's son and said, is this your younger brother of whom you spoke to me? And he said to Benjamin, this is what Joseph said to him. He said, grace to you. Grace to you. And Jesus sees you. And you know what? If you put your faith and trust in Jesus, guess what? You're his little brother and sister. I said, guess what? You're his little brother and sister. Did you know that? Did you know it says that Jesus is firstborn of many brothers? Do you also know that when you put your faith in him, you become a co-heir with Jesus? You become a child of the living God? You're in a new family? You got a big brother? His name is Jesus. That's right, Jesus, be the center of it all. Because when the devil messes with you, you say, I'm getting my big brother. How many of you, when you were little, you know, you got into a fight, and you were like, I'll be right back. Get my big brother. Or, you know, you were in a little trouble, and there comes your big brother walking out, like, you're all scared, and then you see your big brother, and you're just like, yeah, and what's your problem? When you see your big brother walking up, it's like, yeah, all of a sudden, you got muscles, right? And that's how it is with Jesus. If God is for you, who can be against you? So look at the next scripture in, in, in verse 33. So they sat before him, all the brothers sat before Joseph, 
the firstborn down. They went from oldest to youngest, and they were freaked out. It's like, how does this Egyptian dude know the order of our birth? So they were astonished. And then he went to feed them. And he put one little hamburger here and one little hamburger there. And he put five hamburgers. And this is how it is in my house. I get a little hamburger, get a little hamburger, five hamburgers. Because he got five hamburgers. Any of you know what I'm talking about? The mom just feeds the son. It's like the son's the only one there. Raise your hand. Go ahead, raise him. Go Give me some love here. I'm like, dang, what am I, chopped meat around here? Actually, I got chopped meat. He got filet mignon. It's something's wrong. But Benjamin's serving was how many times more? Five times. But the amazing thing is they're all sitting there, right? And Benjamin has five times as many hamburgers and French fries and everything else and five milkshakes and five everything. And something happened to these brothers, these nasty brothers who sold their brother away, these, these people that were selfish and everything. It says they drank and were merry with him. And during the first service, the Lord reminded me of something. You know, I remember being saved going to church, and hearing all these testimonies, dang testimonies, people going, you know, my mortgage was, you know, I was struggling financially, next thing the bank sent me a note, and my mortgage was paid. This was a rare testimony, but I've heard that. Have you ever heard that? First thing I was was like, what bank is that? I'm refinancing. <laughs> but, you know, stories about that, or somebody was like, you know, I put $7 in the offering last week, and this week I got a check for $5,000. I don't know where it came from. And I'm thinking, dang, <laughs> what am I doing wrong? Or you just hear about these testimonies, right, of miraculous. You know, here I am. I got six kids. I just lost everything. I'm out of work, and I'm hearing this testimony. And I'm like, oh, this is stupid. <laughs> and I was just so upset. I was like, what, what about me? <laughs> Don't you see me? And after weeks and weeks of that, here's what the Lord said to me. He said, when you're happy for them, I'm going to pour it out on you. He said, when you're happy for So then this guy gets up, and he, like, had this $50,000 windfall or something like that. And I was like, yes, that's so wonderful. Could you give me five? <laughs> I just, I got excited. I wasn't really excited, but I, I, I practiced it, and I started, and then I started, my heart started to get softened. And I was like, you know what? I should be happy for my brothers and sisters, because that just means I'm next. I, I'm going to be a part of this, you know? And you know what God, so God said to me, when you get it, then you'll get it. And I did. And I did. When I started being happy for other people's blessings, because you know, Come on, think about it sometimes in your heart. It, it doesn't, you hear these testimonies, and you're like, yeah, great. <laughs> Where's mine? But when you can say, yeah, that's great. Hallelujah. You'll be in a place where God is ready to pour it out on you. So he got five times as much. Let's look at the next scripture. Because the number five is a number for grace. And when they left Joseph's company again, Benjamin had money. And he had five changes of garments. 
So he had stuff they didn't have again. And the number five was there again. And many teachers and numerologists of the Bible will say five is the number for grace. There's, like I said, there's dozens of things we can look at, but just a few of them. When Israel was delivered from Egypt, they came out in, in groups of five. Did you know that? It's a picture of God's grace in our life when we're delivered from our sin. The holy anointing oil, the oil that we anoint people with, the, the oil that is made from in the Bible is made with five ingredients. David killed Goliath with how many stones? One out of five. But if you want to look at a real type, Goliath is a type of what? Judgment. Goliath came out from the Philistine camp for 40 days and said, who wants to fight me? And Israel was paralyzed. He was basically judging them and saying, you don't really believe in your God. But David came along, little David, little, there you go, little short people, there's another one for you. Little David came with five smooth stones. He took one. He flung it and hit Goliath. Where did he hit him? Right where judgment starts, in the head. See, we look at things and we judge them. We think things should be an eye for an eye or tooth for a tooth. David said, no, it's grace. Defeated judgment with one stone. The five-fold ministry of the church that brings grace to the church, right? Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Paul, the apostle of grace, said this. He said, I'd rather speak five words of understanding in church than 10,000 in an unknown tongue. He'd rather speak five words that bring grace to someone than speak in tongues for a half hour. Finally, last week, we talked about the house of grace. How many porches were there? Five porches. Jesus fed 5,000 people with Five loaves. <laughs> so we see that number five, grace, was upon Benjamin. Amen? Now Joseph's name and my name happen to be the same. Yosef means God will add. God will add. So when Rachel had her son Joseph, she was the first one. She named him, God will add, because she wanted another son. Because the other wives were having sons like it was nothing. She finally had a kid, named him Joseph, because she wanted God to add another son. God will add. You know, every time, I, I used to not realize this because when I first got saved, I thought, okay, you're saved, and now you go back to drudgery. Like, it stops at salvation. You get saved. That's it. Okay. Now we go back to, we can't wait to the end of the world, and tribulations and trials and everything. And then I heard about this grace thing that, you know, God wants to bless you. And John 1.16 says grace upon grace, grace for grace. Like adding to your salvation favor? Really? Because I didn't know that. I didn't believe that. But then when someone said, your name means God will add, I started to believe that God wanted to add things to me. So we had kid after kid after kid. 
We have four kids. I went home and she said, God is at it again. He's at it again, he's at it again. And she said, we have twins. And I said, you're crazy. She said, no, we had twins. I said, you've been smoking something. She goes, no, there's twins. I goes, no twins in this family. But when God wants to add, God will add. And you know, when you start to believe that God wants to add to you, he will. I said, when you start to believe that God wants to add to you, he will. I said, when you start to believe that God wants to add to you, he will. So at the same time I got saved and I'm working on Wall Street, I'm not believing that God wants to add to me. I'm believing that, you know, tribulation is going to happen. I'm going to fall, and I fell, and I fell, and I fell, and I lost my job, and I lost my job, and I lost my job. And, you know, people would say, yeah, that's how it is, man. Once you get saved, it's trials and tribulations. I'm like, I had trials and tribulations before. I don't need to get saved to have more. But here in the Bible, it says you get grace upon grace. You get favor when you're, you're saved. You know, it's like now I'm God's kid, right? I mean, God loves me. He wants me to prosper. He wants me to do well. But I didn't believe it deep in my heart. And many Christians don't. And believe me, Grace Church started because of that. Because I started to believe that God actually wanted to use me to do great things, that God wanted to add to me in every area of my life. He wanted me to have a better marriage. He wanted me to be able to pay my bills. He wanted me to be able to have my ministry. But I didn't believe it. I didn't believe it. And you can only have what you believe. And you have not because you ask not. You know, this morning, my son, he needed an aspirin because he was hurting here. And he's coming to my office. He says, does he have an aspirin? I go, no, because I don't take aspirin. It gets caught up in here. I don't like it. Yuck. So I said, you know, go see Miss Erica because Miss Erica has everything. She knows where everything is. So we went to Miss Erica and at where she normally goes, they couldn't find it. So we're looking all over the church. You know what I did? I went out into the lobby and I go, does anybody have an aspirin? Six people had aspirins. They had like codeine and all this. I'm like, listen, you ask enough, you'll get more than you need. <laughs> the drugs coming out. I'm just kidding. I saw pills flying through the air. Just kidding. Point was, we had not because we asked not. Point was, you got to believe that what you need is there. So I'm, I'm on this job. Um, the last company, the one I retired from, and, you know, I'm not really being compensated the way I should, but I have low self-esteem. I don't feel like I'm worth anything. I'm a high school dropout. This guy went to Harvard. This guy went to MIT. I'm just like, I'm just having a good job. But in reality, I was worth more. But I didn't know what to do. And I didn't have it in my spirit that I, that I could even ask for it. But I had a friend who I saw rise up in the ranks with me. And the next thing you know, this guy is like the head of a company. Like, I mean, it just was like, it blew my mind. I mean, this guy just was trading. He lost $20 million. Next thing I know, I see in the paper that he has been the, the president of this huge company. I was like, how did that happen? So I went to him. Listen to me. You better stay teachable. Because there's always somebody that knows more than you do. 
And the second you think that there isn't somebody like that, you're going to fail. And you're never going to get anywhere. And I said, I said, I got to go to him. I got to know what did he do? And he was just confident in who he was. And when people see that confidence, it's attractive to them. So he said, listen, he said, I just went to them. I said, I said, these things. And I said, what'd you say? And he said, I said, these things. And I go, what did you say? And I wrote it down. And I never write anything down. You know why? Because if I write something down and look at it later, I don't even know what it says. That's how bad my handwriting is. Somebody gave me a number recently to call somebody in prison. I wrote it down, and I'm like, I can't read it now. That's how bad my handwriting is. But I wrote it down. And I said, okay, this thing about favor, let's see if it really works. So I went to the CEO of my company. Now, you got to understand, when I got to this company, they were worth $7 million. After I was there for a couple of years, they were worth $700 million. I had a lot to do with that, just me being there. You know why? Because I'm Joseph. God will add. And where I go is going to prosper. And that's the attitude I got now. And if you don't like it, too bad, because when you do like it, you'll get it. Don't get mad at me. I had to learn this. So I went to him. And I had memorized, I said, I have an obligation to myself and my family to optimize my value in the current market environment to be compensated with my peers. <laughs> and I'm not going to tell you how much money I, I was making, how much I did, because then you might get mad at me and I get your blessing. But my salary almost tripled. I asked for this. And I got this. Somebody recently, a young guy in church was saying, you know, I'm trying to get a raise or something. He was making like $12 an hour, right? Praise God, he's got a job, young guy. He goes, I'm going to go in there and ask for 14. I go, get out of my office right now. <laughs> I go, you listen to me. If you ask for 14, you're getting 13. You have just limited yourself to a dollar raise. That's nothing. I said, you're going in there, and you're asking for 22, and maybe they'll meet you in the middle. And they did. So don't you go in there short-selling yourself. You are a child of the living God. You have divine favor on you. God's talking to somebody on your behalf. And I had the attitude of my job. It was like, I'm Joseph, and I'm here, and as long as I'm here, this business is going to be blessed. And if you don't like it, too stinking bad. What's your name? Now listen to me. <laughs> you got to have an attitude like that to know who you are in Christ. Who's your big brother? Now, if anybody from my staff comes and asks me for a raise this week, you're getting nothing. You can ask for a dollar more, I'll give you 50 cents. Because we have all received grace for grace. And don't go asking your boss for a whopping raise tomorrow to get fired and blame me. You know what you're worth. Do your job to the best of your ability, and God will speak to people on your behalf. But if there comes a time where you know what, you know you deserve more, you march into that office. Don't let the heathen get in front of you, the people that get raises for doing nothing. You see it, don't you? 
You know why? Because they had the belief to go in there and ask for it. They went out into the lobby and said, does anybody have drugs? <laughs> That's what I did. And it just came pouring out. And the Lord said, see? I said, I don't want drugs. No, no, but I'm just giving you an illustration here. You have not because you ask not. You don't have favor because you don't believe you deserve it. Well, grace is undeserved, unmerited, isn't it? Galatians 6.18. Meditate on this. The favor or grace of Lord Jesus be in your spirit. Say grace, grace. Favor, favor, be in my spirit. This isn't prosperity preaching. This is the word of God. Let that be in your spirit. You should walk around expecting. I love it. You know, when my wife, and, and, and I just love her so much. <laughs> Don't you just love your wife so much? <laughs> Especially when she's right. Well, like, you know, when you go to some place and you're looking for a parking spot, guys, you know what I'm saying? And your wife's like, like, you'll drive anywhere just to park, and you want to keep your car away from other cars. She's like, this is too far away. We can get a spot up front. I go, there's no spots up there. She goes, we have divine favor. Take this car up there, I guarantee you. And I hate it because I pulled in, I didn't see any spots, and I'm coming back. I'm like, blah, 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 blah. And she goes, that lady's pulling out right there. And it's like three spots from the restaurant. You know what I'm saying? It's like she knows it. She expects it. And that's what I need to get into my head, even for the littlest things. Amen, people. Give me an amen, a good amen, because this is what will change your life. This is what will change your circumstances. God's waiting to do it. Get that favor in you. I'm going to close up now in a sec. See, now, when Rachel had Joseph and she said, God will add again, and Benjamin was going to be born, Right? Now, another thing about Benjamin is he's the only son that represents all of Israel. He's the only son that represents all the propheticness of the 12 sons of Jacob. He's the only son that is born in the promised land. He's born on the road from Bethlehem to Bethel. The only one. So he's born on that road. And just to show you the great price that is paid for grace every time, Rachel died giving birth to him. Jesus died giving birth to grace. Rachel died giving birth to Benjamin. And she named him Ben-Onai. His name wasn't always Benjamin. She named him Ben-Onai. Now, Jacob had 12 kids. The first 11 were named by his wives. Wives with an S. When you got a bunch of wives and you have kids and they say, I'm naming them this, you go fine. I mean, how many of you remember the delivery room, okay? Guys, any of you do go through the delivery room? I don't know why we torture ourselves like that. But nowadays you go in there. I'm like, I ain't going in there. I fainted in the delivery room, okay? I think I'm kidding. They had to put me on a gurney. My first child. I went, there's hair. I see hair. I was like, Elizabeth, I'm coming home. You think I'm kidding? They put me on a gurney. 
I was in the room alone with her. I was like, why are you leaving me alone with her? She's mad at me. I didn't do nothing. <laughs> Next thing I know, I go, hey, 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 hey. I went out in the hall and I went, help, help. This is the God's honest truth. I was like, help. So eventually they came, and we're all in there, and I go, do you have a bed for me? Because I'm getting a little woozy in here. So any of you ever in there, and, and it's like, what are we going to name the kid? And your wife says, this is what we're naming him. You're not arguing, right? We're naming him Joseph. You got a problem with that? No! <laughs> you know, that's how bad names come up. You know, the wife, she's like, we're naming this. And you're like, okay, if that's really what you want. But all the sons were named. All the sons were named by her. And my family, it's the exact opposite. I named them all to the last one, little Dominique. But I called her Nikki. But anyway, so she named him in the sorrow, she named him Ben-Onai, which, which means son of my sorrows. Son of my sorrows, and then she died. But then Jacob renamed them. Jacob named him Ben-Yamin, or Benjamin, which means, in the Hebrew, son of my right hand, which if you dig deeper in the Hebrew, right hand means good fortune. If you read in the Hebrew Chaldee Dictionary, it means the son of my prosperity, of my favor, of my good fortune, my right hand, where all power comes from. Jacob changed his name. Listen to me. You might have been a son and daughter of sorrow, but when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you became a son of favor, a daughter of favor. You've been renamed. Act like it. Live like it. Believe it, because it's true. It is true. Because of Jesus' death, you have a new name. You're in the promised land. You're a child of favor. The worship team is going to come up right now as I finish up. Psalm chapter 30, one of my favorite psalms. If you're a little down, read it. <laughs> it says in Psalm chapter 30, for his anger is just for a moment. Did you know that? Do you know where God poured out all his wrath? On Jesus on the cross. A moment in time when all the wrath was poured out on the cross, all of it, for all the sin, from now to eternity, all the anger was poured out there in a moment. But his favor is for? A lifetime. A lifetime. I like to say you're surrounded, it says in Psalm 5, verse 12, you're surrounded by favor. You can't get away from favor. You can walk around and be surrounded by favor but not appropriate it. Just like we walked around that lobby looking for an aspirin and everybody had one, but we just never asked for it. You can walk around being surrounded by something but not ever having it. Amen? Amen. His favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. This has been a rough week for our church. Marisol and Marcos' brother, a young man, passed away this week. We had a funeral here. He had one young daughter, 17 years old. There was weeping. There was mourning. But that only lasts for a moment. 
and it only lasts for the night. Because joy comes in the morning. And yesterday, Marcos and Maria, two of the people that could be walking around with the most mourning, we were at, we were at the exact opposite. We were at a wedding yesterday. And I, and I saw them out there on the dance floor dancing, and I said, I love these people. Because sorrow lasted for a night, but they woke up to a new mercy in the morning. And they danced and celebrated with a couple that are starting a new life together. You know why? Because they get it. Because weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Whatever you're going through now can be done in one night and one moment, but joy is coming to you. Verse 11 of this psalm says something. We need to be more like this. It says this, that God has turned our mourning into dancing. Now, I can't dance as good as Pastor Courtney, okay? And all this stuff. I don't know what they're hitting and doing. And we went to this, I, I'll tell you, it's amazing. Or I can't dance. Maria Roman, you just never stop, girl. You're like, I'm like, we're not at a club, are we? We are at a wedding here, okay? You know, every wedding we go to now within our church, they put all the other people from the outside, they seat them on the outside, they seat the people from our church right next to the dance floor. It's just a new thing going on right here. Why? Because we're happy. Because our mourning has been turned into dancing. Our clothing, our sackcloths, we ain't walking around day in and day out and, and, and meditating on the, on the bad things going on because bad things are just going to happen. You can't walk around in sackcloth day and night. What are you going to do? God has turned that into dancing and he has clothed us with gladness. If you believe that he has favored you, you can walk around wherever you go and say, well, I got divine favor bestowed on me at the expense of Jesus. He paid the price the same way Rachel did, and grace was born, and that favor is upon favor for me in my life. As for me and my house, we serve the Lord, and we're surrounded by favor, and that's just the way it is. <laughs> you can go up, you guys, go. So we go to these weddings, you know, we perform the wedding and everything, and some of them we don't perform, but we're at these weddings, and as soon as the music starts, boom, there goes all the Grace Church people up to dance, right? You know, I'm past the Joe. I just did the ceremony. So I got to slowly inch my way out to the dance floor, and you see people look, and they're like, what's he going to do? Well, I get right next to Pastor Courtney, and I just do whatever he's doing. He's doing this stuff. He's doing that stuff. I'm doing it. I just want to do what he's doing. And they looking like, oh, that church. What kind of church is that? I kind of like that church. <laughs> and people will come up to me and go, where's your church at? Where's your church? Where's your church? Where are you guys meeting? You have a card? You got a video? You got a lifeline? I'm like, listen. I go, where do you live? They go, upstate. I go, well, we're in North Brunswick. They're like, that's not too far. <laughs> because people are attracted to joy. 
We've been given, we've been clothed with gladness. He has turned our mourning into dancing. So if you're mourning right now, mourn, but then dance. If they can dance, you can dance. If they can have joy, you can have joy. Some of you are holding on to something for a really long time. But I'm telling you, it should just be for a moment because his mercies are new every morning. I want to make sure that everybody here has access to God's divine favor, which means you put your faith and trust in Jesus. So bow your heads with me and say this prayer, just like the young man did this morning. And I'm so thankful to Robert Finlay and Bob Nemeth and whoever else followed up with this young guy to hear that amazing testimony of his. Because this is what we're about here. We're about souls coming into the kingdom of heaven. We're about expanding it and seeing it grow. So if you're not sure if you died tonight that you're going to spend eternity in heaven, then say this prayer with us. Believe it and your lives will be changed forever. We saw a couple yesterday who didn't know Jesus just maybe a year ago. They gave him their hearts. They got married and now they're on their honeymoon. Their mourning was turned into dancing. You see a couple here that lost a close member of their family who easily could have said, we're not going to that wedding. We're not coming to church. We're going to give up, whatever. No, they're pressing through. They're pressing through to bigger and better and greater things because they put their faith and trust in the one and only Jesus. I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. If you say this prayer, let me say, Father, I know that Jesus is your son. I know he died on the cross for my sin. Three days later, you raised him from the dead that I might have a new life. I want divine favor. Holy Spirit, come into my heart and transform me. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody, close your eyes, your head bow for a second. If you said that prayer, you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, raise your hand right now. Raise your hand so we can see it. If you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Okay. We see one person. If there's anyone else, uh, can you stand to your feet right now, please? Thank you. And come on up here. Come on up here. Come on. Come on. This is why we're doing it. Bring her up, come on. Whether it's one or a hundred, it's worth it. Whether it's one or a hundred, it's worth it. God bless you. God bless you. Everybody stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Just reach your hearts and hands out to this young lady who just gave her heart to the Lord. In the name of Jesus, Father, we thank you that you just bestowed your divine favor upon her. Thank you that her life is never going to be the same. It's only going to be uphill from here as she walks in your divine favor. She has this favor for life. Nothing can take it away from her. She is your child. Jesus is her brother. Nothing can be against her because you are for her. We thank you for the decision we made today. Holy Spirit, thank you for bringing her and speaking to her. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. If you need divine favor in your finances, come up here right now. If you need divine favor in your body, healing in your body, come up here right now. If you need divine favor 
so you can release unforgiveness in your life, come up here right now. If you need divine favor because in your mind you don't feel like you deserve it, you have low self-esteem, I want you to come up here right now because we're going to pray a blessing. We're going to release an anointing of divine favor into your life right here and right now. Don't be shy. Come right up here in the middle. Don't leave any space undone. I'm here to tell you that if you want divine favor in your life, you need to take a step of faith. It's Grace doesn't work without faith. Faith without works is dead. Grace doesn't work. If grace worked without faith, everyone would be saved. Because Jesus died for everyone. But you have a part in this. You do. This line, everybody, up this more room over here if you want to go over here. Listen, Benjamin, Benjamin just came to the table and he got five times. Benjamin just got on his horse and rode and he got five times. If you just come to the front, there's five times for you. <laughs> there's five times. There's five times love. There's five times forgiveness. There's five times financial. Listen, God's no respecter of people. It's not about who you are or what family you were born into. It's about who he is and the fact that he died on the cross. And if you believe by faith, you can receive divine favor into your life. It's been bestowed upon you. The only thing that will keep you from it is you. That's it. Nothing else. But see, the devil has been lying to people for so long and telling them they're not good enough. They'll never have it. It will never happen to you. I lived for 40 years under that, even though I knew the Lord. 15 years I lived under that lie that I didn't deserve anything, that everything I had done would always haunt me. Until I finally heard, no, no, no. Your family to me. You are a co-heir with Jesus. If you believe it, all things are possible. All favor is possible. And the Lord told me, would you get out of the way trying to do something in your life? Like I'm getting in the way of my own blessing. Because I'm telling you, it's all up here, people. We need to have the attitude like my wife that when I go into the parking lot, I'm getting a parking spot because I have favor. When I go to work, the place is blessed because I'm there. How about that one? How about when you walk in, you know, this place is lucky, not even lucky, they're blessed to have me. I'm the, I'm the light here. It's a dark place and I'm the light. The reason this company's got any business is because I'm in the house. <laughs> Hallelujah. Everybody here is sick, but I'm healed. I wonder why. Have that attitude. Amen? I'm going to read a scripture over you from Isaiah 43. And it, it sums up all of this. It sums up every little bit of what I'm telling you. And I'm going to ask you to do something. Because you're not just going to let me read. You're going to take a hold of what I'm saying. 
See, it says when, it, that when you receive something in the New Testament, the word for receive is not, okay, lay it on me. It's taking hold of something. I want you to take hold of this word I speak. I want you to make it yours. Just put your hands out however you want as a sign of, okay, I'm open to what God wants to say to me. Because Pastor Joe ain't talking to you, okay? Pastor Joe's just reading what God says about you. Here it is. But now the Lord who created you says, this is scripture word for word, nothing missing, nothing broken, no line or precept or anything that isn't perfect. But now the Lord who created you says, do not be afraid. I'm going to say that again. Do not be afraid. I'm going to say Jesus' words that he said more than anything else to you again. Do not be afraid. For I have ransomed you. I paid the price with Jesus Christ. I have called you by name. You are mine, he says. When you go through, okay, so when you do, you're going to. This is a when, so it's going to happen. When you go through deep waters and great trouble, I will be with you. When you go, so you're going, through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you, so you're going to, walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. Why, God? For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I, 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 I can't even. What is a Savior? Somebody that saves you from something. <laughs> I gave Egypt, Ethiopia, and Seba. I gave up all the heathen as a ransom for you to be free. Oh, God. Free of what? Free of not knowing who I am. Free of low self-esteem. Free of coulda, shoulda, woulda. Free of regret. Free of fear. Free of doubt. Free of unbelief. Free of poverty. Free of lack. Free of sickness. I paid the price, so none of that holds you or owns you. Others died, his name is Jesus, that you might live. I traded, oh, there's a beautiful exchange. I traded their lives for yours. Oh, oh God, why did you do that? Uh, why me, God? I'll tell you why, says the Lord. Because you are precious to me. You are precious to me. You are honored. And I love you. God says, I love you. He says, I love you. He says it again, just... Because when you hear all this, you need to hear it again. I say, because when you hear it once, you need to hear it twice. You need to hear it three times. You need to hear it four times. So God will say it again. Do not be 
afraid. Why, God? Tell me again, God. Tell me again. Honey, tell me you love me again. Dad, tell me again that you love me. Tell me that you're with me. God, why should I not be afraid? Because I am with you. 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 Who's with you? Hallelujah. Now we're going to pray for you. Let's start praying for everybody. Seal it with prayer. I see a smile. That's what I want to see.